0: Hi, this is Simon Yo. Thank you so much for subscribing to my podcast, Simon Says. I want you to know that I appreciate every one of you out there for tuning in. Now check out today's podcast. Salutations, Simon Sayers. My name is Simon Yo. Welcome back to another episode of our podcast. Last week, we began Season 2 by diving into the ongoing discussion of the pandemic and how our lives remain very much affected by it after 11, 12 months of going through that. We talk about the influence of global powers in shaping the narrative and global response towards the pandemic. Governments worldwide are asking people to make sacrifices, and some of these are reasonable, such as following the right SOP, do not travel unnecessarily, etc., etc., but at the same time, you can't help having the feeling that some of these decision makers, these global elites, are making all the decisions to suit their personal interests. In Malaysia especially, there is this perception, real or not, that our government is making all the decisions in the interest of self-preservation. Decisions are made to benefit the interests of those associated with certain political and business class. Which leads to the topic that we want to discuss today, big government. Now what is big government? Why is it important for us to understand this? Now, we need to be aware of the happenings in our nations, so that each one of us can begin to have a say in terms of where we want to go forward in the future. Now, remember in Season 1, we talk about how each one of us, there is a voice. We have a voice. And we need to begin to learn to express that voice so that we can say, this is where we want Malaysia to be in the future. That is our way of participating in the nation building of Malaysia. And I believe every listener out there, you and me, we are supposed to be involved in this project. So in order to do that, we need to have an appreciation of where we came from. We need to understand the history and foundations of our nations. Without that, we will not be able to advance to the place we desire to go. So going back to the discussion on big government, it is essentially the concept that government knows the best. So it's like the more layers of governmental involvement, the more layers of bureaucracy, the better it is. I know some people will be like, this is such a strange mindset to have, but there are many people who embrace this. The government is seen as a saviour of the people, it is seen as a provider of the people. And those who often embrace big government, it is often a matter of philosophy and political preference. These people genuinely believe that government knows the best, they can do the very best job. And that's why this same group of people usually advocate for huge amount of resources to be given to the government. So, you know, the same group of people when emergency is being declared because essentially what emergency in Malaysia means is that a lot of the power and decision-making goes to the central government and they are quite alright with that. The same group will often embrace nationalised healthcare, nationalised education system. Now, what do I mean by nationalised? It means that the whole system is being funded by the government. It is being managed by the government. The policies are set by the government. So we do have nationalised healthcare in the sense that much of the management of hospitals, healthcare systems are done by the government. Of course, there are involvement of private entities as well. In education system, for the longest time, we have a nationalised education system all the way to high school. It's only in recent years we begin to see private schools emerging and offering a different stream and spectrum of education. So this is as opposed to the reliance on private enterprises. Now the opposite spectrum, those who are against big government, the reason they do that is they see big government as a prelude, as a, almost like an introduction to socialism. And eventually, people will be encouraged to be lazy. Now, one of the things we need to be clear here is this. Big government doesn't mean that it is a socialist government. But on the other hand, a socialist government will always require a big government. Now, this is a topic for another day, and hopefully in future episodes, we'll be able to dwell further into this. Now, those who oppose big government, this is their primary reason. And is that, they see eventually the spirit of self-starting. Now, what do I mean by self-starting? It is simply the ability to make it true, to make it work when you work hard. But you and I, we both know, we all know that working hard is not the only prerequisite. Sometimes we need the right opportunities. We need the right favors. So this spirit of self-starting, the group, that is opposing big government, they fear that this spirit will eventually be extinguished. It will be removed. It will be discouraged. And because when you have big government and government is helping you to deal with all sorts of issues, you know, there's no need for a person to be a self-starter. They can just wait there and waiting to, to be to be given all the handout, etc., etc., so, it is important for us to see that this is a contentious topic. There are supporters, there are detractors, and that's what we want to discuss today. Now, before we go further in, I want to just take a brief look at the history of Malaysia. Because if we study our nation's history, without a shadow or doubt, the concept of big government has always been around. Now, this is simply a historical fact. Okay. No matter how you read history, how you interpret, I think generally people can agree the concept of big government is there. Now, one of the things we have to consider is this: the democracy-style governments that now we see in large portion of Asia, you know, most nations are democracy. Okay, and that is actually a relatively new expression, and that takes place only in many places after World War Two, after the old colonial powers had departed. So what I'm trying to say is that in general and historically speaking, Asians in this part of the world, we are used to be ruled by powers. So we can say that people here are used to be powerful government that governs and dictates every portion of their livelihood. And coming from there, there is also great fear in what government can do to us. So when we talk about fear, and this is where, you know, this is how we can link back to the whole pandemic, COVID-19 issue, because what it has done in the last 10, 11, 12 months is that it has unleashed this spirit of fear that caused people to genuinely be willing to give up their rights and liberty quickly. So I mentioned in the last episode, So, a cursory reading of Malaysia's history will demonstrate that those in powers are not afraid to use whatever tools at their disposal to show that they are really in charge. So, what I'm trying to say is that it really makes sense for most of the Malaysians to understand and even identify with the big government concept now it doesn't mean that people necessarily embrace it it doesn't mean that they agree but they are aware of it they know how it looks like they can see it they can feel it they can smell it now going back again to the history you know in in the 1964 remember when singapore left malaysia federation and then a few years later, there was the May 13th Incident, 1969 we began to see the strengthening of the big government concept in Malaysia because we start to see emergencies being declared in a few years leading up to the May 13th Incident then of course, May Thirteen itself, there was a long period of emergency which basically restricted political process, political expression in this nation Perhaps more consequential was the introduction of the new economic policy, you know, NEP. All Malaysians, we are familiar with that. And that is a series of affirmative economic initiations. NEP essentially nationalized the economy of this nation. Again, remember what I was talking earlier. Nationalized means the government owns it, the government drives it, they fund it, they are the one who set all the policies. So as a direct result of the NEP, many government-linked corporations, we just call them GLC, and most Malaysians are very familiar, GLCs were formed and these GLCs remain the power brokers and driving force of our nation's economy today. They are still essentially very powerful and very influential. Noted economist from University of Malaya, Professor Edmund Terence Gomez, he observed that our economic model, Malaysian economic model, is one that is dominated by the governmental system. After all, GLC is just part of the governmental machinery. Now, there are many studies that have been done on NEP, You know, some positive, some not so positive, but many of them show that it did not achieve its original objective which is basically to equalise the economic structure in this nation among the different races. You cannot just equalise it based on the race, because it doesn't work like that. You know, there needs to be involvement in education, there needs to be involvement in culture, in work ethic, in many many things. So just changing the economic policy will not be able to just equalise the economy. So many studies are coming out to show the failure of NEP. There are Also other studies and Acknowledgement by political operators of all spectrums So nowadays, if you look at all the different political parties Many have come out and they admitted That NEP had done more harm To our nation Because many argue that While the intention was good The intention to normalise The economic distribution was good after May 13 But the execution was poor and it paved way for systemic corruption to enter into our country. Basically, the issue is like this. Those in government, those in charge of the GLC, they have too much power, they have too much discretion, and the system basically allowed them to commit corruption and to get away with that. So that's why this is a systemic corruption issue. It's not the fault of one or two persons, but the system enables this. Now, I'm going to come back to, to wrap up this point uh, concerning Malaysia, but for now, let me just uh, step back a little bit and begin to just quickly compare big government and small government. So, obviously, the opposite of big government is what we call small government. What are the differences? So, we have talked quite a bit on the big government, so let's try to describe small government a little bit. Now, different political systems, you know, some highlight the difference, some don't. But one of the best summary of small government was made by the third president of the United States, Thomas Jefferson. And this is what he said. Small government is this. That government is best which governs least because its people discipline themselves. So you see, Jefferson was trying to link small government with the spirit of self-starter. He sees humans as having the potential to do well in the right environment. So we are not saying that there is no need for government. Government is needed to provide a good environment, to nurture a good environment. But at the same time, the people must be allowed to work out their potentials, to express their potential without too much interference. So the contrast is really between limited government. So on one hand, small government, less interference in day-to-day lives. Then to the other spectrum, the big government. Government should solve all our problems. So you can see that I believe the right solution for all the different nations is really a balance. And an ideal balance is difficult to achieve. Because it depends on many things, it depends on the nations, it depends on the societies, and especially it depends on the cultures of the people, what are their values, what are their work ethic. For example, many people who advocated big government and also socialism, they often pointed to the successful Scandinavian nations, they said, look at them, they are so successful with socialist policy, with big government policy. Look at Denmark, look at Sweden, look at Finland. And many quoted them as examples of success of big government. Now, what they fail to see is that culture play a big part in a success. Now, by culture, I mean the work ethic, the family unit, the family values, the enterprising economic, the street smart education based on creativity and problem-solving as opposed to memorizing of fact, etc., etc. In fact, there is one research that shows that Scandinavians who moved to North America and they look into a long period of 80 years, those who moved to North America, they were more successful than the Scandinavians who stayed behind. So the take from this study is that the cultural foundations of these people it was so good that even when big government socialism uh, was introduced in those nations it did not destroy the productivity and creativity of these people and now there are more and more evidence that the people in scandinavian nations they are rejecting big government and they are preferring their government to be smaller and less interference Actually, when we talk about overseas Chinese, you know, those who move from China to go to different nations, we talk about the Jews all over the world. Do you realize one thing about these people? Everywhere they go, they are successful because they have a good culture and work ethic, okay? So it's not the system of the government that makes them successful, but it is their values, it is their culture, it is what they value inherently, Okay, now with that, I want to come back to Malaysia and just begin to wrap out what we want to talk about today. Now, I do recognize that there are both sides of the argument, both have their own merits and justifications, okay? So, I'm not saying that big government is necessarily bad, small government is definitely good. I'm not saying all that. But I want to wrap out by looking from the perspective of our nation, Malaysia, You see, Malaysians, as I have mentioned earlier, we do have the tendency to embrace big government. Now, this is due to the historical development, but also the fact that big government is convenient. I mean, if people just bring things to you, you get handouts, you get freebies. I mean, that is very convenient, right? So, remember, as we mentioned earlier, the concept of big government leads to the NEP, which went on for 20-30 years. And then eventually it leads to systemic corruption because the GLC, there there was very little accountability. And then it leads to systemic poverty. Now, what do I mean by systemic poverty? Systemic poverty basically refers to poverty caused by the system. So it's like people, majority of the people will remain in poverty. Now, of course, there are those who will make it out. There are always exceptions to the rule. But overall, you are seeing large clusters of people. They remain in that system. They cannot come out. And what are the factors? We can look at the economic policies. We can look at the education policies. We can look at the business development uh, priorities. Somehow, all these things cause large sections of people to remain in poverty. Now, systemic corruption is very simple mathematics if those in power who are corrupted, they took the whole lot, they took a lot, you know, we say you just take everything, then there is very little left for others. So it's very simple mathematics. If you have 10 balls and somebody took 8, there's only 2 left to be distributed among the rest. Very simple mathematics. Malaysia has essentially practiced big government since 1969 with NEP, and It can be argued that by embracing big government, we have become worse off. You see, in the late 60s, nations like South Korea, Singapore, Vietnam, they were economically behind us, but today, they have surpassed us. Now, I know this is a very complicated issue of economy and things like that. I'm not not going to discuss about it. But I want to end with this. What can we do to reverse this trend? I believe as Malaysians, we have to take a hard look and begin to move away from the mindset of big government. It it starts with the mind and we need to have a clarity in our thinking because if our mind keeps on saying that we need big government, we need all the assistance from the government, we need reliance on government, then we can never step away from this predicament. Now, I'll be very, very honest and clear here. The process will not be easy. Now, remember when the federal government changed for the first time in 2018, we did see a little bit of that, stepping away from big government, funds being cut from unnecessary projects, etc., etc., but it was not sustained because the cries and complaints of the people caused the government to quickly revert back. As we say in Malaysia, U-turn, you know, we are experts in U-turn. So we quickly U-turn back to the former policies. And now we are in the pandemic era and certainly the cries for big government, the cries for more assistance, more handout, it will be louder by the day. I do recognize that some people, they really need the assistance, some businesses, they really need the assistance. So I'm not talking about all these things to to kick back, to stimulate the economy. But I will argue that we need to bite the bullet and we need to begin to seriously think about how each one of us... You see, it starts from you and me. It starts at the individual level. How can we be productive? How can we be useful? How can we be contributing citizens? So again, I'm not saying the government should not be involved at all. But instead of giving handouts only, okay? You know, we don't want to just give things to people. We need the government to allocate resources to develop policies They will encourage personal and corporate development. They will develop policies that encourage businesses. They will encourage enterprises to operate at a more efficient, at a more productive level. All the things that will ultimately help to build the nation's economy. Now, that's an entirely different topic altogether, but that's all I want to say for today So that's it for now. Now stay tuned for future episodes where we'll begin to break down other issues that concern us as Malaysians as we begin to embark on this journey of nation building. Until next time, bye-bye.